0: Greg Helbeck, Michael Pinter here coming to everyone's ears and maybe eyes if they're watching it on YouTube, if we even have this on YouTube. But um, today we're going to talk about rental properties in New York. And uh, Michael has more rentals than I do. I have a few right now. Um, I have some interesting experiences with it. I'm sure Michael has the same. And the big thing we're going to make in this in this episode here is that a lot of gurus will talk about rental property investing in other areas of the country um, that are not high-end areas like New York or California or Seattle. And they're talking about these numbers that are just basically from fantasy island in our in our area uh, or any high-end area honestly so we're going to really give you the truth on on what it looks like to get involved in rental property investing especially when you're buying off-market deals from private sellers with bad tenants michael is i would say an expert in that because he's done he's done a lot of those so uh michael i'm looking forward to getting into today because i will say on a positive note you can get some good deals in new york where you can actually make some real cash flow um, because the rents are higher here, and there's generally more demand for rental product in, in uh, a major city uh, like the tri-state, like the tri-state area in New Jersey, and Connecticut, and things like that. So um, let's just get kicked off with why most times, Michael, I'll let you handle this first. And why why do most rental properties in the tri-state area why don't they cash flow positive? Because that's the biggest thing I try to keep a lot of stuff as rentals, and I end up flipping it or wholesaling it because I'm like, dude, this makes no sense to keep a single family rental. Right. So what, let me have you get into that.
1: I think it's two major factors. The first is the price point, right? Because there's a lot of our, our properties here are very expensive, right? You can buy a single family in my area, you're gonna pay four or $500,000 for it. Um, even if you get it at a discount, you're gonna pay three, $400,000 for it. Yep. The debt service on that is usually gonna eat up all your rental income. And the second- it's not more. Right, and the second thing is the taxes are high uh, in my area where, you know, it's not uncommon to have $1,000 a month or more in, in just in property taxes, which you as a landlord have to pay. So between those two things, very hard for single families to cash flow positive there's only a few so small pockets in long island where you can buy a house you know for under two hundred thousand dollars where it might work um where is that by the way seems mastic, crazy mastic shirley belport um the shittier areas of uh <laughs> <Island>. <laughs> Um, and those areas are getting better why and the area those areas are actually all improving as people like you and me buy them fix them up and sell them to yeah. people um but it's it's hard so it work. It, it can work on, multi, on multi-units so two three units those things can work um but it's hard in most of my area for single family uh properties to cash flow and it, and, it, and it's and it's sad to me right because we 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 know a lot of people who who let's say wholesale or flip properties, and they always have this backup if the deal doesn't work, right? If they can't find somebody to wholesale it to, or somebody to, to a retail buyer to buy it, hey, I can just throw it on the rental market, and they'll be cash flow And that's oh, yeah. not not an option that 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 you you and I have in most of our areas. So, for those are the two reasons I say the price the price point and the debt service that comes with it, and the taxes.
0: That's so true. And the biggest thing I've noticed, you mentioned the taxes. I mean, I bought a property that I, I'm going to probably actually end up selling this now. It's a, its there's four units and just the taxes alone on that property, including the parking lot, which came with the deal, $11,200. This is in, you know, Orange County, New York, this is not even in like Nassau County. So it's a thousand it's a month, just, just for the taxes. That's one unit's rent, right? That's right. one that's the, the studio's rent is basically paying the taxes.
1: Listen, and yeah, I have a rental property of a seven unit in Elmont and this, I'm not talking about the freaking uh, Fifth Avenue in Manhattan here. My taxes are over $40,000 a year. on
0: it. You can't on that Elmont, pro, the one that you got, that was a smoking deal that yeah, you did a big list it, on.
1: I got it for under 500 grand and oh. probably worth one, one and a half million now, but the taxes are over 40,000. I knew that going in, by the way, and I've tried to reduce them. I've owned it for five years. I can't, I, I'm not getting a dollar in reduction. Um, but the, number, the numbers can still work. Like, I, I don't care if it's $40,000, you know, but it does, doesn't matter to me as long as the, num- the numbers work. On this one, the numbers work. It's seven units, it's a good deal. And um, like, I, people talk about taxes all the time, even like when you're wholesaling, like the, I'll, I'll look at properties and I bought properties with taxes were $30,000 a year. If it's typical for the area, I don't mind. It's only when it's out of, out of, out of whack for what's there. So if you're buying, like you said, a four unit, you know, $11,000 in taxes might be pretty, pretty much par for the course. And if one of the units pays for the taxes, then you got to just do the math if the others were units, you know, make it free cash flow to make it make it make sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. So now that's in Nassau County too, uh, in in Elmont. Now, are you you, in Long Island, you mentioned those two lower end areas and that that, I'm glad you brought that up because if you're listening to the show and you're in an expensive area like Long Island or even somewhere in the Hudson Valley or even anywhere, I mean, it was expensive. There's always going to be, like you said, those towns that are more rental friendly from a financial standpoint. Um and that is where there's a guy that we both know, the handsome homebuyer. And he has a lot of properties over there and he, the, Bel- he does Bellport.
1: a lot in, Bel- in Belport. It's a big yeah. area for him. But let me tell you what happened in Bellport. I, I had a, I had a lead in belport a guy who had a, a lot, a buildable lot in Bellport. Yeah. And um so let me just tell you this will give you a, an insight into Bellport. Um, so I actually called uh Charles the handsome home Buyer, and I'm like well, what can I pay for a lot there? And he goes pretty much nothing I'm like what? really he said well it's going to cost 300 grand to build a nice house and guess what it's worth when you're done 300 grand that's you're done it. so new construction there is going to be 300 grand maybe it's gone up a little but like I, he said to me like if you pay more than 10,000 for the lot it's not it's not a deal so that's yeah. that was crazy to me I thought for sure it had some value but construction costs are what they are you know it's, it's cost." even before uh, lumber prices went up like crazy, it was gonna cost an experienced builder $250,000 to build a standard, you know, 3,000 square foot house, you know, to 4,000 square foot house. So now that construction prices are higher, it probably cost that same builder, you know, over $300,000. Yeah,
0: 320, yeah. So, and that's the thing, you way, gotta know your area.
1: People aren't talking about that now, but now that construction prices have gone up, I'm finding that builders are really scared to buy land because they don't know what their, they don't know what their cost to build are gonna be. Totally.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I I I did a rehab recently and and we just got four or five like solid wood base things to bump the house up to boost it up. That cost me a fortune cuz lumber freaking quadruple, you know, and it is what it is. Like I had to just do it. But um yeah. the point of that is that you got to know your local area and there's always going to be those areas that allow you to cash flow positive. So You know, when it comes to getting involved, Michael, like I I know you have some a lot of experience, and this guy Charles got to have him on the show. I really like that guy's stuff. He's He's got good energy. Yeah, he loves these Section Eight properties. You've gotten involved with them, so let's talk about some programs. And 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 after we talk about the Section Eight, we're going to cover the landlord tenant laws in New York and and how to buy properties with hair on them with bad tenants. And we'll 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 probably spend a lot of time on the episode talking about that. But before we do that. Let's talk about some of these Section 8 programs. And there's other programs that allow the landlord to have more sticky cash flow. Because the last thing you want in New York State is a tenant to either stop paying rent or to be paying a low rent to try to do an eviction because it can get messy.
1: Sure. So I, I got my first Section 8 tenant back in 2004, right? I bought my first rental in 2004. And I heard about Section 8, and it sounded like the greatest thing ever. So I, 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 I then proceeded. I had a, it was a three-family and i proceeded to move multiple section 8 tenants through that over the next 5 years. Yeah. So here's my thoughts on section on section 8. Um first of all, let explain by the way, what, what is section what is section 8? Let me explain eight? what it is yeah. and how it yeah. works. So section 8 is a a local housing subsidy, right? So it can come from the county, it can be a state thing, it can be a town thing. Um, in in, in Long Island there's all these different places, they all have, might have a different section 8 office. And it's it's a uh, it's it's something where a person qualifies based on need, uh, based on their income, and based on their family size, they qualify for a certain size property. So they might have a voucher for a three bedroom, if they have a lot of kids, or if they're alone, they might have a voucher for a one bedroom, and then they're going to qualify that Section 8 office is going to sort of give you a standard number. So I think right now, for a two bedroom Section 8, I think pays like $1,900. And for a one bedroom, it pays like, uh, I don't know, $1,600. I haven't done a one bedroom in a long time. so there's, there's pros and cons to it. And I, and I, and I, I I have over the years moved away from section eight, and primarily because in my area, I can get a lot more, my market rents are higher than section eights. There mm-hmm. are areas, and I'm sure Charles's areas, um, uh, 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 and I'm sure you'd be happy to tell you that, where section eight is pretty much market rent, right? And the areas that we mentioned before, almost everything is section eight. So, yeah. You know, if you have a if you have a three bedroom house, it's I can tell you it's going to be like twenty one sixty eight whatever they're going to pay for a three bedroom. That's pretty much what it's going to go for. Now, the the advantages to Section Eight is that some portion of the rent that they, and and the way it works is they they reassess their income I think every quarter and it changes how much of the rent Section Eight will pay and how much of the rent the the tenant is responsible for. They yeah. can be responsible for like. As much as 50% of the rent, and they can be responsible for like almost nothing, like, like a, yeah, like a zero. They can be responsible for zero, depending on their income. So So that's how Section 8 works. So again, the advantage is you're gonna get a check, or you get actually, I get I have one section eight tenant now, um, where I get the um they just wire, they literally wire ACH into my account every month. So I don't even need to get a check, it's great. Um, but so that's the advantage that you're getting some money from the government every month. You don't have to collect it. You do have to collect the other portion though, the uh, balance
0: that the, the, the person The that they're
1: responsible for. And, and, and the, the, the con is so. there's two negatives to section eight. The first is that they do pretty heavy inspections on the property annually, certainly before the tenant moves in. And I've had many units where section eight just didn't approve it. And for sometimes stupid reason, like a broken light, a switch plate or a, uh, something ridiculous. And they do that every year. That's the first problem that you really yeah. have to uh, make sure that it meets, it meets the, the whatever the guidelines that the inspector they send to you is. And the second con is that in general, um, I think it's a lower quality tenant. Now I've had great section eight tenants. And I've had, and I've had terrible free market tenants who paid me out of their pocket. But overall I have a pretty good sampling cause I've been doing it for 17 years. I can tell you that I've evicted a significantly higher percentage of my Section Eight tenants for not paying their portion of the rent than I have evicted free market tenants. Now I'm a pretty good screener. Um, now I've gotten much better, so I, I I don't do a lot of evictions except for properties that I buy with occupied occupied. properties. Yeah. I'm dealing a million now, but um, <laughs> um, that's the way I see it. So in my mind, there's, there's pros and cons. They sort of balance out. To me, the question is, am I gonna am I gonna max out on market rent? So if, if I'm in an area where section eight is very close to market brand, it might be worth those two cons to take that pro of getting that wire every single month. But if I but in my area right now, and I think a lot of areas, and I think yeah. people, I can't tell you how many how many landlords I bought from or deals I've done where the landlords don't even look at what market rent is and they're paying, they're charging, they haven't raised people's rent in like 12 years. It's crazy. Um, in my area, I can do so much better on a free market than I can with section eight that I don't do section eight. That one tenant I have of section eight, was because i was i actually had a property it's a horrible apartment horrible tiny and um and i couldn't get a free market tenant in there and i just didn't want to go another month so i knew i made the call to section 8, i had a tenant in five seconds so um that's the situation with section eight so se- section eight the another I, I, I should say another pro there's another pro another con another advantage of section eight is that they are always looking for for landlords they, they, there's i yeah. would say an insatiable supply of people with vouchers and section A that can't find things. So if you need to fill a property and you're not interested in screening tenants, or you're not interested in sitting there and having people write applications, you call section A, you'll get, you'll get a million people there. Um, the other con is that, and this happened to me only once, is that if a tenant really knows the way it works, they can screw you over. And what the tenant did for in my situation is they pulled up the carpet, they cut out a piece of the flooring and the subflooring, they put the carpet down. They took a picture of it. So there was like an indentation. They said it was an unsafe uh, environment and they wouldn't let me in to fix it. So Section 8 stopped paying me. It's very rare. It was a weird confluence of events, but it could have. Oh my
0: gosh. So What a debacle.
1: Eventually Section 8 made, made him come in and I'm like, someone took a saw to this. Like I didn't, I didn't this wasn't here before. So... Um, <laughs> So that that's the other thing. So again, in my opinion, if you can get close to market rent from section 8, it it might be worth the and you and you're good at screening tenants. I mean it's really important to screen tenants. So we can we can do a whole we can do a whole show just on screening tenants because Well, that's
0: that's my next question for you from a snapshot perspective and you explained that very well. What do you look for in a tenant? And the reason I'm asking you that question is because I have only bought properties with tenants in place and I can tell you what man having the wrong tenant in your property, it just caused it. And it doesn't, even if you have a manager, that's another, oh, get a property manager and go on vacation. No, they're going to call you when the tenant takes a crap on the freaking floor.
1: Well, the, you hope that if you have a property manager, they're going to be good at screening tenants too. But, yes. uh, yeah. So I, so I had a, I had a very simple policy that became illegal two years ago in New York. My policy was, I used to ask for two months security and first month's rent, three months. And that was a great, a great filter; it sifted through a lot of the crap. Crappy tenants cannot cannot even imagine um, saving up three months' rent, right? They live paycheck to paycheck, and they can't. And when I did that, I, I almost never. Uh, so I made a few rules over the years as I learned from it. So my rule was I made it very clear when I posted it in Craigslist or wherever I did it: three months' rent. If it's two thousand, it's six thousand dollars If a tenant said one word about six thousand, I'm talking about if they said. I'll bring you $5,999 tomorrow and I'll give you a dollar the next day. If they said one word about those three months, I immediately disqualified them. I would never rent to them ever. Because any, because when I thought back over the people that I that I evicted, a huge portion of them had some issue with coming up with the three months. I'll pay you, I have half of it now, I have half of it next month. I, anytime those are so that was my screener. Now it became illegal in the state of New York about two years ago to charge more than one month's rent, one month security. So what I do now is I try to get around it by charging one month security, but I want first month and last month's rent.
0: So mm. I try to still
1: do, I try to still do three months. To me, that is a huge qualifier. So I, I say this because I've run tons of credit I was in the mortgage business for 17 years. I probably run 10,000 credit reports in my life. So <laughs> the tenants that i i noticed the the their credit didn't really affect whether they'd be a good tenant or not a lot of good tenants also had bad credit um i wanted you want to check their income and you want to see that they have a job something steady consistent but, paydays basically right but even that yeah. is hard to hard to know right because it's 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 hard some people to to me the ultimate check that i use for screening is do they have have they been able to save up some cash I'm not saying it works 100% of the time, but I'd say it worked 99% of the time. And also if they if they said a word about it. I'm talking I'm talking about a word about it. To me it was always an indicator that there was some kind of issue.
0: Yeah. And if it, yeah, if they give you that resistance, they there's probably a reason they're giving you that resistance. It's that's that's so it's funny you say that because the guy that you met today, Joe Finneran, we got to get him on the show by the way. He's, yeah, he's good. Guy. that guy's hilarious, dude. He's ridiculous. By the way, you got to see his house. Just I'll just leave it there. Is he live, um, is
1: he live in Middletown.
0: He lives in the middle area but he bought this basically castle at like a ridiculous discount and it's i might be going there after this podcast good for him this is ridiculous lives there by himself it's awesome uh, anyway so he he actually to, to go into that he i wholesaled him a house a couple of years ago in port jervis which is a very low income area and you know we we did well on it he bought a good deal and, and you know all is well And he um, rented to a tenant who ended up, there was like a shooting down the street and they ran into his property and it it turned into this whole disaster. There's drug dealers and gangsters. It was this whole disaster. So he was like, man, I just can't find good tenants anymore up there. And he actually came up with a new rule where what he does, this will go go along with what you said, he actually hires a real estate agent to lease the property and the tenant has to pay the real estate agent a month's worth of rent out of their pocket And that's his barrier to entry. And now he has much better tenants in that specific city because it creates that, like they got to want it financially bad enough to want to get there. and the more resistance not
1: just wanted financially but be able to afford it be able to afford it
0: yeah like financially to really be able to to get that property because um especially with the 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 way that rentals are in these high-end areas like it's you know they're scarce sometimes people want properties to live in obviously they need they need a place to live so So the more barriers you can create legally the better so as we transition now into the main i guess meat and potatoes is if you're in the off-market real estate business, buying houses off sellers directly, you're going to run into leads where they have non-paying tenants. And that, I hear the word non-paying tenant. I almost hear a cash register ring ring in my head. Me too. Um, so I'll start with a story because Frank Kern taught me how to use stories to make points. <laughs> and uh, I got a lead and it was crazy how it came in. She actually sent me return mail. She sent me a snail mail letter and I don't, I didn't live in New York. And I was back there for something, and I remember going through the mail, and I like I saw this letter addressed to me. and I opened it up, and she was like, "Hi, this is Gertrude was her name, and she's like, "I live in Virginia. I own this property in Middletown. I literally wholesale the house to Frank Sanchez right down the street." How she from. get
1: to you. You had sent her a postcard.
0: I sent her a mailer, and then she mailed she me responded back. Responded
1: with mail. Yeah, I get this, every, mail. every time. I, by the way, every time I've gotten response mail, it's some. It's
0: like this. Yeah, it's like f off. <laughs> <It's... laughs> we are never. We're gonna
1: die here. If <laughs> people aren't watching,
0: if I gave the fire. middle finger. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never selling, even though I haven't paid my taxes in three years. So anyway, so so she snail mails me and I'm looking through it. And she's like, she, she writes me a letter. She's like, hey, I'm interested. I, so I knew this property because I I wholesale the house literally down the street to Frank, like right down the road, made a killing on it. And um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is how she told me to communicate with her. She says, email me if you're interested. So I fire up an email and I send it to her. I'm like, hi, I got your message. And she really only wanted to communicate for email through email for the most part. So I made her an offer. She rejected it. And then she followed up with me last year. And she's like, hey, do you still want the property? I'm like, yes, only if I can get it for this price. She's like, I'll sell it to you. You can't go in the property. Can't talk to the tenants. You, I, I'm never going to meet you. I'm in Virginia. You're out in San Diego. The house is in Middletown. But I'll I'll sell it to you at that price if you just buy it sight unseen. And there are tenants in there. They've been there for a while. They're not paying a lot of rent. Don't mess with them until you own it. So I said, OK, fine. I said, as long as you're OK with that price, she made me put a huge deposit down. And um, I, I closed on it. Never saw it." I knocked on the door day one and I, I flew back there and um, it's been a battle ever since, to say the least. So these tenants have been um, very tough to deal with uh, so far now that we're actually doing a, a an eviction now. So the point of that story is that you got to know what you're getting into when you're dealing with tenants who are either non or even sometimes even worse. They've been there for a while and they're not paying anywhere near market rent and it's going to be impossible for them to leave for the most part because there's nowhere else in the world they're going to get a deal like that
1: i would i would venture and that gets a piss i would venture to say that it's better than not paying because then they're paying zero <laughs> uh,
0: yeah that's true well, but, but it's, it's, it's it's easier to evict when they're not paying you know what i mean sort of anyway i'll let you get oh, into that because you're the
1: expert okay so 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 in so I, I know how things work in in my county in Nasser county i have personally probably done Fifty evictions myself, right? Because in the beginning, when I started doing buying properties, I I bought them in my own name, which is stupid. I didn't know it was stupid. Wow. Um Yeah. Michael Pinter as the buyer. But the but the but the good part about buying a property in your own name is that
0: you don't need an attorney. The
1: eviction pro se. Words, you know, I can do the eviction without an attorney. Yeah. So that was good because I learned how the whole eviction process worked, and I can honestly say I'm better than pretty much any attorney at making it go as quick as possible. The only hard part <laughs> is that when it actually comes to to going to court, they take the attorneys first before the people. So I'd have to spend a day sitting there waiting for them to call my name. But 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 attorneys are are not as good at, at evictions as as I am personally in my county. But so the way it works with evictions, there's two types of evictions. There's a non-payment eviction and there's a holdover eviction. Non-payment means you're paying them for not for not paying, and holdover means that they are, that you're not asking for money, but they've been there too long and you want to get them out. What I've learned through the years is that you're you're almost never, even if I've collected many judgments against tenants for not paying, and, I, and I've never ever seen a dime from it ever. <laughs> so the only thing that you really care about is to get them out, that's it. Yes. So for example, so another example, uh, and this is different in every part of, of, of New York, if it's in the, there are plenty of illegal apartments right basement apartments uh yeah apartment. so i remember there was, so there was one judge for the whole nassau county who was great his name was scott fairbeard they just forced they just forced him to retire at age 70. and um he would say like you could tell him it's a basement apartment he would just say okay you have a choice then you can either get payment or you can get a uh, warrant for possession which means eviction so i would always just say evict i don't i just want him out i'm never going to get the money anyway so but the basic process, and I think everywhere, is that you have to give the tenant notice to leave, right? Assuming process you to- serve
0: them. You have to do it a specific way to the letter, or else it gets reneged.
1: Right. So so also you can't do anything if somebody's on the lease. I'm about to go into contract on something where there's there's two tenants that are leased until December. Um, so I can't evict them until the lease is up. I'm gonna try and offer them money to leave early, but if they don't want to, they can stay. Um so once they don't if they're so if they're not leased you basically have to give them notice that i want you to leave and you a lot of the laws have changed recently but i think you pretty much have to give at least 30 day notice it used to be that you had to give it before the end of the month but before the next calendar month now i think it's a little more lenient about when you give it but you should speak to an attorney about that because a lot of these laws changed over the last two years i've
0: stayed in the property for too what i said you have to it depends on how long they've been in the property for
1: right so the amount of notice you give them is, is yeah. dependent on that and then, after they don't leave uh, when the notice is up, then you have to get a court date, and you have to go yes. to the court. And and if you don't know how to do this, you should you should certainly use an attorney for this. Get a court date, and they have to. Then they really have to be process served uh, between a certain amount of time before the the court date. And it can't be you can't process serve them too early, and you can't process serve them too late. They have to be served in a certain thing. I think it's now. I think it's between five and ten days. It used to be between five and twelve days. Whatever it is, I can tell you from sitting through many, many court dates that the number one reason that the cases get kicked out is because they screwed up the service. So like I've seen, I probably saw this a hundred times where the guy goes, you serve them too early. And the guy goes, what's the problem? I gave them extra notice. And he goes, that's not the way it works. <laughs> it's missed, start from scratch. And that's Smith. how it works. So it's very important to use an experienced process server that knows how to serve, when to serve and will testify in court if the guy says he wasn't served, so that's a really big thing. You have to press them in the court, and then it goes to court. So the way it works in NASA, I think it works in a lot of in a lot of uh, areas, is that they do not want to go to trial. They want you to work it out with tenant. So first, they send you to a mediator, and the mediators are are, are very fair people, and the mediators are just trying to get you to some agreement where you'll avoid going to court. Now, what what most deadbeat tenants think. Is that if i agree to anything with this mediator i'm pushing this whole i'm kicking this can months down the line what is beautiful is that and i'm again this is nassau is you have to sign a stipulation and then you have to go in front of the judge the judge says did you read this do you agree to it and the guy has to say under oath yes if they don't follow what they said in that stipulation so i'll get them to give me some money right away and then like a, extra money every month with the current rent i i try to listen, I'm trying to get them out. So I try to collect some money now, and then I'm trying to put them in a situation where they're going to default on this, maybe in a month or two. And then I don't have to go to court anymore. I could just send in an affidavit of noncompliance, which is, it's a notarized statement saying, this guy said on this stip he was going to pay me $3,000 last month, and he hasn't. And you send it in, and that's it. And usually what happens then is you get an order for possession, which means that you are going to get the property. And then you have to deal with the sheriff in Nassau. So you have to go to the sheriff and you've got to pay him a few hundred bucks. And the stupidest part, and I don't know if this is everywhere in New York, but I know it's in Nassau. I have to hire a moving company to take out all these guys' possessions, the tenant's possessions, and store it for 30 days. I don't have to pay for that until the actual eviction, but I have to show the sheriff that I have a mover ready to go and they have to show the mover's insurance and all that crap. Now, the whole process up up to the eviction is not that expensive. I mean, your attorney may charge you $1,000, $1,500, but all the court fees and all the other fees is a, is a few hundred bucks. But in Esau, oh, so then the sheriff will give you a date and sometimes they're quick and sometimes they're slow, but they then inform the tenant 72 hours, three days before the eviction that we're coming in three days. Now I found- In that, three days. In three, days. <laughs> in three days. And, <laughs> and they'll knock on the door, door and they'll just like get them out. Days, you're over Now, sometimes they'll, 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 they'll get an attorney at that point and they'll send an order to show cause some stupid thing They can delay it a little if they have real reason, like, like if you made the mistake of collecting rent. Yeah, that's
0: a no, no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Once you start the eviction process, you're not getting, Mm -hmm. but, but usually they'll leave when they get to 72. Collect rent, no. I find probably four out of five or three out of four will leave there. But if it actually goes to the eviction, and I've actually been present at many evictions, then it gets expensive because you might have to pay a mover a couple of thousand dollars. Depends on how big the apartment is. Like two grand.
0: It's two grand usually. At least two grand.
1: Depends how big it is. I've done done a whole house where it was like four grand. Oh, It needed like three trucks worth of stuff. And it was (laughs) all crap that was going to get thrown out. But it doesn't matter. You still have to pay for it. So that's the only part that gets expensive. And then that's it. And that's the eviction process. You hope that you don't go to the end. But when I buy something with a non-cooperative tenant, I start calculating how long is this going to take? How much is it going to cost me every month to hold it? How much is it going to cost me to go to the end eviction? And then I try and figure out what I can pay them so that I can avoid that worst case scenario. Yeah. I always, I always offer money first, always.
0: Oh, totally. That's And that's the logical thing the tenant should consider.
1: Yeah,
0: a, a lot of the times they run the like they reverse engineer how much how long it's going to take for them to get out versus what they're going to get in cash. And they're just like, well, fuck it, I'll just stay. Right. There's two things, Michael, you mentioned to me. And I, I mentioned this on one of my other podcasts. And there's there's always two things the tenants tell you that give the landlord happy ears. Michael, what are those two things? Because they are both complete, I'm saying this for the record, bullshit.
1: bullshit. So what are I, they? And I've, I know this because I've fallen for it so many times until I realized. Me too. That. Me, trust me. I, oh, yeah. Number one is they say, I want to buy the house. Ah, <laughs> right, which is always comical. Oh God. <laughs> I, have, I have probably bought five or six houses from people who told me, you know, tenant has been paying rent, but he told me he was supposed to buy the house a year and a half ago. And, yep. and it didn't issue, work with, out. Issues yeah. with his mortgage. I'm like, yeah, yep. issues with mortgage. His credit is probably shit and he has no income. Um, So that's number one. I'm trying to buy the house. And number two is I'm ready to go. I just need to find some place to go. Bye! Even better, even better. Now, ironically, today, that might be true on some level because there's a crazy artificial shortage of supply due yeah. to the eviction moratorium and the foreclosure moratorium. But in general, when things are normal, if you want to find a place to go, you can go.
0: You're going to find That's a way it. out. If you found a way in, you'll find a way out. You exactly. Know.
1: So those are the two things that tenants say that you need to, as a landlord, honestly, completely 1,000% discount in your mind to know that this is just not true. And by the way, whatever a tenant says to me, I I don't believe, and I will always continue with the eviction process. There, a lot of times they are they just want to stall. So a tenant tells me I'm leaving in two months. You don't need to evict me. Don't worry, I'm still starting the eviction process. And I tell 100%. them
0: 100. I
1: said that's fine. If you're out in two months, this is not going to be a problem. But you're going to get served at the end of this month by the end of this month that I am going through eviction. Just in case you're not out in two months. So I never believe anything exactly. any tenant tells you. Ever that you're trying to get at, ever,
0: hundred percent, ever, and they're always gonna. It's the thing with tenants I've noticed is that at least the ones that I've interacted with, and you've interacted with more of them, they're, at least the tenants who are not paying a lot in rent or not paying in general, they're natural procrastinators. Yeah. So. Right. It's kind of like sellers, like they're naturally procrastinators.
1: Inertia. Inertia is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. And somebody who is sitting in a property, especially if they're not paying rent or they're paying below market rent, um, they do not want to move. No. So I don't know if we were going to bring this up, but I have found a very good tactic that I use to buy properties uh, that are occupied, because what I find is that most. Not most, but a lot of landlords are very concerned if you're gonna go come see a property with a tenant in there, that the tenant is going to stop paying rent or get angry at them or something. Yep. So I what I do is I say, do, you don't have to tell a tenant that you're selling the property, just tell them the insurance company needs to do a quick inspection. I'll be in and out of there in five minutes. I actually I bought a hat on eBay, I'll show you.
0: No way, you got an insurance hat.
1: Guardian inspection services. <laughs> I wear this hat. And I made up cards. I made up business cards too. <laughs> I made up business cards to match. So that's what I do, and it and it works. And it works. I mean, I, I'd say once in a while you get a tenant who's like really suspicious because they <laughs> on to something, but that's a big <laughs> deal. If you want to if you want to buy houses that are occupied, I I, I, I can't tell you how many times that I, I hear my I hear my lease manager. I have to keep telling her, the leads manager calls a calls a seller, and the seller says I have a tenant in there, and the leads manager goes okay, and the seller says okay, I'm just going to tell you that I'm thinking about selling it. It's a, it's a huge mistake from the, for this. And I I'll call the seller back. i go, it's not in your best interest to let the tenant know that you're thinking about selling it. Do not let them know. I go, they may stop paying rent. They may have a completely different attitude towards you. Do not let them know. And just let me go in there as an insurance inspector for five minutes. And that's all I need. So
0: dude, uh, that little- hat might've been the funniest thing I've seen all all day guard in inspections my son
1: duplicated the logo so on on the business card
0: oh my gosh so so it's true though you got it it's funny you say that because i um i was at a house yesterday and the guy has his son living there and like he was a little suspicious about what was going on and you know i you don't want to like answer them because you're like yeah i'm just looking at the property but i've said i've found that yeah when you get a tenant especially a tenant who's getting a good deal or not paying shit, if you get them thinking that they're gonna have to leave based on the law of inertia they're gonna just burn down the house not literally obviously hopefully not and they can and they can control yeah. whether
1: you ever get inside there or not oh and, yeah um, it's not it's not a good thing it's it's not it's not it's not a good thing and I, i've had to educate some sellers on it The seller's like well i can sell the house if i want to i go you can do whatever you want i said but if you want the tenant to continue to pay or you want the tenant to be cooperative do not let on that you're selling it's a mistake no. I'm saying and I and I usually give these these um these sellers I'll give them two prices, right? I'll give them a higher price if they give it to me vacant and a lower price if they give it to me with a tenant cuz I figure I'm going to have to pay to get the tenant out. Totally. So, you know, if you I just did a that future, on a house. It's right? funny you say they that. I tell me, "It's no problem I'm getting what out I want." I go, "Fine." I go, "Then then then take more money for it and get the tenant out." I prefer to get it vacant. I said, "But it's not as simple as you think."
0: Yeah, totally. it's funny you said that. I literally been esc. I've been an escrow on this property in Newburg forever. And we're going to buy it with a tenant. And then the tenant was like, I'm like, you know, this is going to be a disaster. Hold
1: let me just stop you right there. You know, you're not in California anymore. There's no in escrow. You're
0: in contract in New York. Okay. In contract. Sorry. I, so I'm in contract. And the guy was like, he was like, I'm like, I'll take it with a tenant. And then the tenant was like, I was, I'm was, i in the middle of dealing with two bad tenants and a vacant building. And now another tenant, I'm like, ooh, I don't want another one of these in my plate right now. I said, listen, Dave, you sell, I'll buy it with a tenant if you sell or finance me the property with $10,000 down. Or... I'll give you 10 grand more and you get the tenant out. And the tenant's going to generally cooperate a little bit better. I have found, at least from this encounter, the tenant's actually moving out now. Like that's a legitimate thing. And we're just going to close in a couple of weeks. But for some reason, in this case, the seller had a better control over the tenant moving versus me. For some reason, I don't know why, there but there apparently it was. T-
1: there are some tenants who, if you tell them you got to move, are just going to say, okay, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Tenants, yeah. There are, good, there are good tenants and good people who say, I'll, I'll find another place and I'll go and then there are tenants who no matter who's tells them to leave they're telling you I'm not, I, I'm not going anywhere. Exactly, exactly. So the the
0: big the big thing we're trying to make on this podcast in this episode is that if you're going to get involved either in hairy rental properties or you're going to just be buying rental properties in New York in general, especially down in the tri-state area when you're south of like Ulster County uh and and you know out in Long Island, you got to know what you're getting into and you really need to know your market. You got to know the rents by knowing about section 8 and you also got to know how to do an eviction because I guarantee you if you've been in this business more than five years and you have like some guys only wholesale, but if you bought a house before, you're going to do an eviction. Whether you want to do an eviction to flip the house or you're going to do an eviction to rent the house at market value, you're going to have to do an eviction um, and you're going to have to understand how it works even if you're not going to do the eviction yourself. So Michael, as we start to wrap the show up here. By the way, let
1: me just stop you, but I, I was talking about doing an eviction myself. I personally think that everybody should have a good eviction attorney. Oh, you
0: have to. You have day. to. You and have maybe, to.
1: Please, I beg of you pick an attorney who specializes in landlord-tenant law, who represents tenants and represents landlords. Mm. Do not pick your cousin who uh, is a bankruptcy attorney and heard how evictions are done. I've seen people yeah. do that. I, bu- I bought properties from a lot of people who did that. In fact, I just bought, I'm, I'm, I'm wholesaling a property tomorrow where she had a horrible attorney who did a horrible job on the eviction and the guy hasn't paid rent in two and a half years. Oh no. I'm wholesaling You're wholesaling
0: it, it with a tenant in place? Yeah. Big spread?
1: Not as big as I wanted, but I think it's a fifty thousand dollar deals. Fifty thousand dollar spread? Fifty thousand dollar spread. That's a that's a ridiculously good wholesale deal. Let me tell you something. It's a good it's a good wholesale deal, but I honestly thought about keeping it because the price that the guy's getting it is probably two hundred thousand dollars less than market value.
0: Oh wow. What was it? A, a multi unit?
1: No, it's a single family, but it's in a really good area.
0: Where um, is it? What area?
1: It's called Greenvale. I, uh, is that in Suffolk County? No, it's Nassau. Nassau. I never, I never heard of it, but it's right around Roslyn Harbor, which is like a mansion, beautiful area. Mansion. Yeah. I'm talking about you know five million dollar houses, and this is like a tiny little area where it's got um, where it's in it's in like the number one of the number one of the number number one or number two school district in New York State, the Roslyn schools. So a lot of people want to move there, and the house is in good shape, but it's got a it's got a tenant who is going to ring. Re- to rip you through the ringer, and it's got a. Pro- it's in a horrible municipality. It's a town of North Hempstead, and it's got open permits, and that's. Gonna
0: oh, be- so it's just a bloodbath.
1: It's. Pr- it might take a year and a half to get everything done, but when you, whatever, but this guy is going to make money when it's done. Yeah, it's a, it's a super area, but for me, I just didn't want to sit wait for two years and fight. Yeah, years.
0: carry that building. Yeah, yeah. You got to know the market. You got to know what you're getting into. So if you're going to do rentals here, you got to know the cities, the rents, how to evict people. And you gotta take this. I was telling you, I was uh, coaching this guy yesterday, just a buddy of mine. Uh, We went and looked at a house, and I'm like, "Listen, dude, I know you're getting a lot of information from guys online, and they're all great. Michael and I are friends with them, but you gotta understand, in this area, you need to connect with people who are doing the business in the market, whether they live there or they don't live there. They got to be doing active business in New York." And I it gave him some clarity because he was like, "Thinking, oh, I'm like, dude, like this is how it goes down here." You got to take your information from people who are doing deals in your area or in the state. So you got to know who you're taking your information from, and you can take information from other people, right? But you got to put a grain of salt on it and make sure you can confirm that or find out the truth on someone who's. And this could go in any area. Like if you're in Dallas or if you're in San Diego, it doesn't matter. It's every area is going to be different. And a lot of I, I see some bad advice out there where it's like, ah, you don't need to know anything about real estate, just go out and get deals. It's like, nah, it's not really true because if you're not an expert and you're not a master of your craft, you're gonna you're gonna end yourself up in a lawsuit. Um, and then you're going to get fucked, you or,
1: know? or even worse, you're not going to end up with any business. I can tell you that there are people out there who are getting information from people in other states, and they're yeah. they're going to sell appointments with a contract, they're passing it across yeah. the table and saying, "I right, can I give you a check for fifty dollars?" And the seller's looking at them like, "What the fuck amigo? are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. My attorney needs to drop the contract. Fifty dollars is about is about thirty thousand dollars less than I'm expecting you to give me. And uh, why are you asking for an inspection contingency when that's not how it works in New York?"
0: Yep. Exactly, man. Exactly. That's why I listen to the show. So I hope the listeners got value today. If, um, if you did get value, which I'm sure you did today, if you're looking to buy rental properties around here, leave a review, leave a rating. Um, also share the show with people who need to hear this and we will see everybody on the next episode.